Gospel message number 49, titled The Unknown God. Acts 17.23 For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you were ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. This verse comes across as something perhaps far removed from this present day and age. Because modern day Christians do not go around proclaiming their Christianity or knowledge of God through the creation of monuments and shrines and altars dedicated to an unknown God. No, because we all are certain of the fact that we worship the known and all-knowing God. But let's ask ourselves this question. Do we really and truly know this God we claim to worship? Like the Athenians in the book of Acts 17, we have mastered the art of religiosity while neglecting the true calling of Christianity. Our Bibles have become objects of worship as we have equated knowledge of the word of God with intimacy with God, our perfect attendance in church, our connection to every prayer line, um, our busyness in the house of the Lord, and the various gifts bestowed upon us by the Lord that give us a false sense of connection to God. The mountaintop experience of the Holy Spirit in our moments of true spirituality. All of this have in one way or another become objects of worship as the mastery of this element must mean we are right with God. Now, as great as it is to have all those things that help us connect to God, perhaps, God is only interested in one thing and one thing only, and that is you. But more importantly, God desires one thing in return, which is simply that we seek him and desire him more than our very lives, where our existence and the totality of all that we are is focused on God and nothing else. Imagine if God did not provide for our needs, or if he turned a deaf ear to our prayers, would we still seek him? Would we still worship him if we suddenly found ourselves devoid of all the blessings and comforts we have become accustomed to? If we had to walk in Job's shoes minus the blessings that came afterwards, would we still serve God? Even bringing this a little closer, they have been entire families wiped off as a result of this pandemic. Jobs lost, people becoming homeless. If all those things were to happen to us, how would we respond? Would we go hiding in a cave of self-pity filled with anger at this God who promised us lives filled with peace and joy? Would, or would we remain firmly rooted in our faith and hope in God? What the Lord desires is that we come to him not because he is our provider or because he grants us victory over enemies or because he heals our sicknesses. What he's asking is that we worship and love him simply because he is God. All the blessings we have received were made available to us as a means of getting our attention. If I provide for them, then maybe they will come seek in my face. But instead, what we do is go back asking for more. When we are ill... Our focus is, God, please heal me. Then we receive our healing and the focus now shifts to blessings. Lord, bless me that the world may know that I serve a living God. Then we are blessed and on and on it goes. We make God our personal genie, always present to grant us our wishes. Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with praying for blessings and healing. But there comes a time when our worship or belief in God should not be predicated on anything we have received or not received, but should solely be because he is God. 
just like a married couple who have pledged to be together in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, till death do us part. Our marriage to the Lamb of God should be eternity-focused. The worst was already accomplished through the death of Jesus Christ. This marriage to the Lamb of God was brought about by the death of Christ, but this death of Christ was not meant to purchase our comfort here on earth or ensure that we are blessed with long life and good health. This marriage is not one where the blood of Christ is to serve as our ATM. No, his death was simply to ensure the establishment of our marriage to the heart and personhood of God here on earth, while in turn ensuring and guaranteeing our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. God is after our eternity, and in order to have that eternity, then your life must be completely God-centered. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God himself is that kingdom that we need to seek. And as John seventeen twenty one states, because the kingdom of God is in your midst, meaning is ever-present, closer than we can imagine, but somehow we remain so far from him. Then God who made the world and everything in it, and this is verse 24 of Acts 17, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He has given us everything. From one man, He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Now, do you know why God did all these things? Verse 27 is the answer. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Think about this statement. All the blessings granted unto us the miracles, the daily testimonies, the very gifts of life we enjoy on a daily basis are all done for one reason only, that we may seek him and reach out for him and find him. Let us not focus on the altars we have created for ourselves that have given us a false sense of righteousness. Don't get me wrong, it is important to study the Bible and absolutely wonderful to know the word of God. But how much greater it would be if You know he who is the word. The Athenians were rich in the knowledge of God, but lacked a relationship with God. You can be the most religious person on the face of the earth and still be without God. Matthew 7.22 says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Ask yourself this question today. Does God know you as one of his own? Or simply as the person who is constantly knocking on his door for the blessings he has to offer? When we want something from God, we know how to sugar him up. We do the right things. We worship him the right way. We pray, we praise, we become pious and holy because we want to see the hand of God. Can you get to a point of just worshiping him and loving him for no other reason, only because he is God? Our objects of worship may be great, but only if they glorify the known God. 
Now, anything that takes the place of God in our lives puts us in the same category as the Athenians. One thing is necessary and one thing is required. Worship him who is the creator of heaven and earth, the almighty, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the king of all kings, the one who simply says, I am. Act 17 says, verse 28, For in him we'll live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Let this be your motto and let it be your guiding principle. May the Lord help us and teach us to focus on none other than God himself. May the Lord bless his holy words. Amen.